turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Hey, Pastor, doesn't science disprove the Bible? Isn't Genesis just a fairy tale? Is God for real? Did he really create everything in six literal days? Didn't God just use the Big Bang? Why is there death and suffering? Did really believe the Bible? Didn't man evolve from apes? For answers to these questions and more, stand by for Believing the Bible. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Dr. Carl Williams and our producer Ed Salisville, all directors at the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We are here to reassure you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. Today we're going to talk about the days two and three of creation, both from the, a strictly biblical account with information from science and, and the reality of what we see. Let's see what's there. First on day two, this is Genesis 1, verse 6 from the English Standard Version. And God said, let there be an expanse. Now, what's interesting and why I've chosen the English version is that if you look at the KJV, they call it firmament, which came from an Alexandrian view of of the sky was solid. The NIV uses vault. Neither one of those are descriptive of what rakia, the original Hebrew word there, and that's why we use expanse. Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. As we've talked about before, this talks about that originally all there was was water, and the earth was formed out of water. And God made, there where it says made, it's not created, it's the word Hebrew words asa or yatser, which says the formed out of what was there. The expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And this is where a lot of people will get into canopy theory or the three levels of heaven, and we're going to discuss that in a moment. Guys, when you hear this, of what occurred on day two, what do you think? Well, it's just fascinating to think about how God used water and separated it. And what does that mean? Does that mean that all of space, in other words, when he gets to day four, he's got this water hanging out up there, and he says, made the stars and the sun and the stars also, including sun and the moon. That's what the biblical narrative would imply. Yes. He stretched it out and kept it there, waiting for day four to come around when he finally makes the sun, moon, and stars also. Completing day two, and it was so, and God called the expanse heaven. He actually defined the expanse, Mm -hmm. the sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And again, we have a definition of day, that it is yom, that it is a true 24-hour day that all of this occurred in. Creationists, starting in the 1960s, and they spent the better part of three to four decades with a devotion to what's called canopy theory. This comes from a quote later in Genesis where it says that there was water below the expanse and water above the expanse. And it was theorized that there was a canopy that surrounded the earth 
This thing could have done some very nice things. It could have given us protection from ultraviolet and other types of radiations from the sun, and it may have helped those ancient pre-flood men to have lived to 900 years and that kind of stuff. And that's where this idea came from. What we found, though, is that water... If there had been 25 meters of water surrounding the earth, it would have created such pressures and temperatures on the earth as to make it unlivable. And there have been a lot of people who have tried to resurrect this with crystalline or metallic forms within it. Maybe it floats upon the magnetic field of the earth. But the fact is, we truthfully don't need that to make the biblical narrative hold up. Plus, if you look at the age of Noah himself being the same as the oldest of the patriarch, it doesn't make sense to say that the canopy prevented people from aging. No. What we really see is that after the flood, there had been a genetic bottleneck, and from the collected mutations of that one group of eight people moving forward, you see the ages rapidly decline thereafter. So what explains the rapid decline in ages from 900 years down to a max of 120 is not the fall of a canopy of any type. For Noah, even after the flood, lived another, what, 350 years. Mm -hmm. He had the same longevity even after the flood. It was not a product of getting rid of the canopy. It was a product of the bottleneck of genetics. And possibly the degradation of the magnetic field of the Earth. I'm glad you brought that up because that actually gives us as good an explanation. What they were looking for was an Edenic Earth, a Earth that originally was perfectly made for man and protected us from everything. And because our magnetic field on Earth does have a 1,400-year half-life, if you move it back to the point of 6,000 years ago, as the Bible will suggest, you get a magnetic field that's over 20 times stronger than it is today, such that it could have protected us from much of the stuff that we wanted that water canopy to do. There is a verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 2, where Paul said that he knew a man who went up to the third heaven. A lot of people get real freaked out by that. Well, I thought there was only one heaven. How could there be three heavens? Well, Richard Stoponik and others have done a lot of research into this. And what the consensus is today is that when it starts talking about the heavens, the three heavens, etc., the first heaven is the sky, our atmosphere. The second heaven is space. And the third heaven is God's realm, whether that encircles the universe or whether it's in another dimension altogether. Again, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, again, it's one of those super tantalizing verses, the third heavens. And when John talks about his revelation, I don't think he actually talks about whether he's in the third heaven. Right. In fact, I don't think, I'm pretty sure it's not in Revelation. So this is something that Paul writes about. And again, the first and second heavens are more or less defined in Genesis as the heavens and the earth would be everything beyond the earth would be the heavens. And when day two happens and he separates the waters from the waters, he creates the rakia or stretched out area or the expanse or the atmosphere. So that is the first heaven. And then the second heaven, I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, we even have difficulty figuring out where our atmosphere ends. If you just want to talk about a very sparse set of particles, our atmosphere actually expands beyond the moon. Uh So those kind of definitions are difficult. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Dr. Carl Williams and Ed Salzado. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A.org. Today we're talking about days two and three of creation. 
And it says in verse 9, Genesis 1, verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Now, if you have all the waters gathered together in one place, that says what? There has to be a place where there's no water. That would be no water land. In one place. In one place. Tangia. Oh, yeah. One land mass. Now, it's really interesting because this is a, a notion that is found in my research in almost no other creation account anywhere. But what does modern geology tell us? You take a look at South America, Central America, and North America, it appears that it has literally divided from at least part of Africa and at least Europe, depending upon how you try to fit the pieces together as a puzzle. Yeah. What geology tells us is at some point, now they will say this happened 250 million years ago, but they say at one point that all the land on the earth was collected into one supercontinent called Pangaea. And it first separated into a northern and southern subland masses called Eurasian Gondwana land, and then further separated into the continents we have today. But what's very interesting is, long before we discovered this in just the past 100 to 150 years, we now have the Bible telling us, written when? Around 1400 BC, around 3400 years ago, that there was all the water collected in one place and all the land into one place, Pangaea. Hmm. I was going to say something that I had read and also seen somewhere else is that some of the foliage, uh, some of the other items as far as dirt and things like that from South America and Africa, they can actually match yes. up and they look identical. Yes. Not just with the plants, but with the fossilization. And some of the dirt. And some of the dirt. Well, yeah, there are definitely the layers that are seen in the Grand Canyon extend yeah. all the way to Europe. Yes. Yes. And beyond. Lowest sedimentary level is the Tapete sandstone. <laughs> which extends all the way across North America, into Central America, across Greenland, and beyond. Yes. Verse 10. So how'd that happen? Yeah. <laughs> if there wasn't a worldwide flood. God called the dry land earth, or land, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And going to verse 11, and God said, let the earth spread. Now, this is now day three. Still day three. Still day three. No. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit which is in their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. What's this stuff about everything being produced according to its kind that keeps getting repeated over and over again? You don't get nothing from rock. You not only don't get nothing from rocks, you do always have life coming from life, which is the most simple observation of science in the history of man. That's what we've always seen. We've never seen non-life become life. Nor have we changed major portions of any life to a major portion of a different life. Now, Dogs haven't become cats, yeah. or vice versa. Now you have the major distinction between the biblical narrative and the evolutionary idea. And the evolutionary idea is that a single cell became multi-cells, became one species evolving up until you get us, whereas the biblical narrative tells us that you do have variation within these kinds, but there is programming. Mm -hmm. There is computer programming there that says this is how far you can vary. You cannot have one kind evolve into another. You know, Jacob did a lot of variation of kinds when yes. he did the, 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 the goats and the sheep, and he... 
got the colors that he wanted so he could get paid. In laboratories, we have been messing with fruit flies and bacteria now for more than 100 years. We irradiate them. The MSPCA ought to show up on us in <laughs> terms of all this. What is it? ASPCA. ASPCA. Thank you. But the truth of the matter is, after all that irradiation, after all that experimenting, after all those generations, bacteria are still bacteria, bacteria and flies are still flies. flies. A nuisance. I mean, flies. A nuisance. <laughs> A nuisance. We recommend that you check out Terry Reed's book on his website at Why Should You Believe? You can get access to a whole range of Dr. Carl Williams' books on Christian historical fiction on Amazon.com. And we also recommend Scott Lane's new book, What If God Wrote the Bible, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletter. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. SABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church just south of the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Thousand Oaks. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you missed any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane and for Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzville. Thanks for listening, and we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.